Our governor calls Utah the startup capital of the world, and it tracks. We've got a fast-growing, well-educated population and a buzzing economy. And just last week, Utah unveiled the Startup State Initiative, a resource portal for entrepreneurs. From step-by-step -step guides to a business plan generator, startup.utah.gov is now the first stop for starting or growing a business here. That's startup.utah.gov. Today on CityCast Salt Lake, the Department of Alcoholic Beverage Services is out of bar licenses for 2022, leaving some business owners out of luck. When will the Utah legislature start to get with the times on liquor laws? Fox 13 reporter Ben Winslow explains why 2023 could be the year. It's Thursday, December 15th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Ben Winslow, you've covered the Department of Alcoholic Beverage Services meetings for years now. And my first question for you is, if you had to design a drinking game around these meetings, what would be the parameters? Uh, try to make it through the meeting sober. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I think it just depends on the rules. Like uh, hmm. um, every time there's a license shortage, of course, do a shot. Every time uh, someone references the legislature or says you you have to take this up with the legislature, do a shot. Every time someone says that they're almost ready to open but not quite, do a shot. Anytime <laughs> there's a uh, consent calendar that they just pass without going through anything, I think you should actually not have to do a shot at that point. Because <laughs> <laughs> good, because I'm getting quite drunk. <laughs> If you can actually, let's let's revise the rules. If you can make it through the meeting without throwing up from doing so many shots. <laughs> My personal like reading your tweets about um, these meetings drinking game would be finish your drink every time Ben Winslow uses the word pleaded. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of that. They pleaded. <laughs> well, so we joke about it, but like what we're referring to is something you've called the bar license gauntlet, which is where the DABS meets and decides who gets these coveted and limited licenses and who doesn't. And what is currently left on the shelf between now and the end of the year? Uh, right now, nothing. Oh, Potentially, okay. <laughs> uh, we may, in for December, at the end of this month, we may see a new license by population quota. Uh, so that means that because our population grew, we have a new license to give out. One, the only other way to get one now, under the way the laws have been structured, someone has to go out of business. So oh, that's how that. you get it. Um, and... They can either revoke a license because someone did something that they shouldn't have done under the terms of the law, or the population grew enough. So uh, that's that's how it happens now. And it, we are expecting maybe one more by the population quota, which I should point out is one license for a bar per every 10,200 people. Uh, where did that number come up with? They made it up. The legislature did. That's that's the number they are arrived at. Um, it's an arbitrary number. 
It's a strange number. Can you break down quickly the difference between restaurant licenses and bar licenses? Yeah. um, So there's a number of different licenses that they have in Utah for every different type of business. You have licenses specifically for hotels. You have licenses uh, for taverns that are beer only. If you are breathing, you can get a license for a beer. It's just very available. Uh, You have restaurant licenses, and there's two categories of that. So you have limited restaurant which is beer, wine only. And then you have full-service restaurant, which is beer, wine, spirits. Uh, The rules for those, which is different than a bar license, a bar license is beer, wine, spirits, but you cannot have minors on the premises. No one under 21 allowed. That's the rules. But if you are a restaurant and you have either a full-service or a limited-service restaurant, you can serve only or sell, rather, only up to 30% of your total sales can be alcohol. After that, you start running into trouble and you become a bar at that point. This is why you'll also notice if you go into a a restaurant and you sit down and you want to order a drink, they say to you, you know, would you like an appetizer? Can I get something started? They always, you know, get the food going because as a restaurant licensee, 70% of your sales have to be uh, in food. Right. That's also why when you're like waiting in line to get into a bar, you see those like eight and a half by 11 printed paper signs on the door that say, this establishment is a bar. Like you will have to blah, blah, blah. They're basically designated right there on the building. And that's a carryover from a previous set of laws that they've tweaked again. The legislature did. Um, It used to be, this is a restaurant, not a bar. And then you had, this is a bar, not a restaurant. And they found that Patrons did kind of get confused still about like, okay, what does this mean exactly? So they ditched yeah. the ones for the restaurants. So only bars have to say this is a this is a bar. No one under 21 huh. allowed. So you're, you're making it clear, obviously, because, you know, a bar owner doesn't want minors on the premises. They put their license at risk and, and they don't want any of the problems associated with that. Totally get that. Yeah. Um, another thing in restaurants is you have what's called intent to dine. Uh, so this is like if you're seated in the emergency <laughs> exit row on the airplane. That is so dramatic. You, you say, I would like to order uh, alcohol, please. And then they say, yes, and you, will you be dining with us? And you have to state in the affirmative verbally, yes, I will be. Um, it's called intent to dine. That's the law. That is so it, it it's so silly. But I mean, obviously, the restaurants are never I rarely at fault in this scenario. Like this is just bureaucracy at work. This is the laws that they're structured, you know, and, and there's some logic, obviously, for them, you know, to reduce like youth access to alcohol. You, you kind of see some of the logic of it, uh, how it plays out in reality. You also hear sort of what we like to say on Capitol Hill are unintended consequences. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So. You just named all these different kinds of licenses. Are you saying none of these are currently left between now and the end of the year? Or what's gone is just restaurant licenses? What's gone is bar licenses with the potential Mm. of possibly the one. Um, And we have like maybe a dozen applicants still waiting in line. And again, it's, it's a formula created by the legislature. And this creates its own kind of interesting thing where the Department of Alcoholic Beverage Services Commission uh, has started to triage uh, who gets a license because they're so coveted, these bar licenses. People want these bar licenses and, and they're waiting in line for months and months and months. The DABS Commission wants to make sure that you're ready to open, that you know, you're serious about this. So it creates this weird conundrum where a business has to invest all this money in all of their equipment, all of their 
you know, decorations, their staffing, everything. Are you ready to go? And there's still no guarantee you actually get a license if you're ready to go. So you're just kind of uh, sitting there telling the commission, when's your target open date? They want to know if you could open this afternoon. If we give you a license, can you be up and running and serving? Because they don't want to give you a license and have you just sit on it. And it has created these delays because, you know, people have had supply chain issues. People have had construction delays. Every industry is experiencing this. Um, but it's kind of pronounced because you're pinning your hopes on this. You've already invested tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars into your business with no guarantee that you ac actually have a license. And it is starting to hit that critical mass. We are starting to see restaurant licenses being impacted as well. I talked to the Salt Lake Area Restaurant Association, and this isn't because bars who didn't get a license decided to go for a restaurant license as sort of a fallback. This is actually a lot of restaurants opening up, you know, wanting a liquor license just for their particular needs, whether it's limited beer, wine, or full service beer, wine, spirits, whatever they want, you know, they want their own license. And so there's just a lot of restaurants opening up and, and people want to have these licenses and it's creating its own log jam. And this is all going to be required for the legislature to really uh, address. Mother's Day is on the horizon, and the good news is that you can find everything you need at Harmon's. Whether it's a little something to brighten Mom's Day or a memorable spread, here are a few ideas. For breakfast, try Harmon's house-baked cinnamon rolls with freshly squeezed orange juice and a package of fresh-cut strawberries. If you're spicing it up with Bloody Marys, don't forget that Harmon's has an olive bar with over 12 different varieties. Now flowers are the perennial favorite, and you can order online or pop by the store last minute. Shop succulents, potted plants, and elaborate arrangements. May's flower of the month is the hydrangea. Very appropriate. Hydrangeas are fragrant and elegant. And if sweets are in order, Harmon's has added raspberry to their selection of brownie flavors. Find all mom's favorites at your local Harmon's or order online at harmonsgrocery.com. Epic Brewing is one of the OGs in building Utah's craft beer scene. But I am most excited about their recent adventures in canned cocktails. First, they released the Utah Mule. And as a big fan of ginger, I have been sipping those for almost a year now. But now, this April, we have the Utah Margarita. A delicious, locally fermented blend of real lime and agave, and they create alcohol by fermenting cane sugar instead of using tequila, which means you can buy Utah margaritas at the grocery store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita or Utah Mule at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or you can visit Epic Brewery on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. They're open seven days a week. And this fall, look out for the Utah Cosmo. Yeah, well, let's talk about the legislature because it does feel like this is a bit of a mess. And the institution that could, could kind of wave a bit of a wand over it is the legislature. And the thing that I don't understand is like, 
the Utah legislature loves when businesses are making money. Like they love to say that the economy's humming and it it feels like when it comes to these small businesses, this is a real log jam in their potential for success. Do we think they're going to get with the times, for lack of a better word? Well, there's certainly increasing awareness about it, and there's increasing pressure on it. Um, Governor Spencer Cox has called for more bar licenses. He thinks it's good for hospitality. We've got some big events coming up, the NBA All-Star Game. We've got uh, the Olympics potentially coming our way. <laughs> um, yeah. Which was the outdoor last retailer. time? Outdoor retailer. Yeah, outdoor retailer, which was uh, the Olympics, I should point out, was the last time we saw a major, major shift when it came to liquor laws in Utah. Uh, we did away with private clubs at that time. So uh, it is entirely possible you'll see the legislature start to address this, especially as more and more people are getting more and more vocal about wanting these options. Now, it's always a balancing with public safety, youth access. How do you guarantee these things? Culturally, um, you know, we're, we're one of those states that really likes to um, guide that. We're not Vegas, where you can walk down the street with three feet of margarita in your hand and nobody blinks. Um, you, the, We do have different sets of rules here. So, um, But the legislature has signaled, I've talked to some lawmakers who are tasked with this particular area of law, and they've signaled an interest in at least reworking how the licenses are. Maybe not necessarily seeing more licenses freed up or, you know, this population quota shifted, but changing who gets what and how they get them, um, how they're applied. And, you know, that that could also rework the existing structure. Sometimes it, you just got to wait and see what the bill looks like before you understand how it's going to work out. But uh, what I've heard from hospitality groups, restaurant groups, is they're hopeful that there seems to be a willingness uh, to look at this. Uh, Juliet Tennert, who is the chair of the DABS commission, told me recently that she does see more of an interest from lawmakers willing to discuss the constant issue with bar licenses and with restaurant licenses now. Well, we're coming up here on the legislative session, so hopefully we get some answers soon. It's interesting to think about all the ways that liquor licensing sort of seeps into what we can and can't do in this city. Earlier this week, we talked to an architectural designer and we were talking about the the problem, quote unquote, of the gateway and like what to do and how to activate that space. And it seems like a lot of Salt Lakers agree that like if you could carry your drink around the gateway, like that is a small thing that would dramatically change how we engage with just that whole part of the city and could like draw more business to that that particular place. So I think like it's funny. It's such a Salt Lake experience to be like, why can't we whatever? And then it bumps up against liquor laws in a way you may not have even thought. But I mean, you always say this, all roads lead to the legislature. They do. And I don't know if you will see that issue of being able to carry a drink around, even within a restaurant, um, because you're limited to certain areas. Not sure. I, I haven't really gotten the vibe from uh, lawmakers on Capitol Hill that they're willing to to go there yet with that that particular type of policy. Uh, right now, what I have seen is a, a big push on being able to address licensure, um, at least wanting them to. What, what we see at the end of the legislative session may be completely different than what we see at the start of the legislative session. Stay tuned. And I, I love to tell people, you know, if you have feelings on this or any other issue uh, that you consider important to your life, never be afraid to contact your legislator um, about pretty much anything. That's what they're there for. Right. 
Wait, do you mean you think we might see a more conservative approach to this that ends with a bigger change or you think it will go the other direction? Hard to say um, because I haven't seen what the bill looks like at the end. You know, if if you see a change to the population quota, obviously some people would view that as more of liberalizing liquor laws, to put it that way. Um, but there's 104 people up there who make that decision and then one guy who signs the bill or vetoes it. And so it it really, it just depends. Um, and this is the legislative process for every single bill up there. People modify it, they tweak it, they negotiate. You know, you get some things that you want, you don't get other things that you wanted. Um, you, you get baby steps this year, you might get a little more next year. It takes time. These things, these policy decisions, they move in sometimes very incremental steps. And, and I know that for the public at large, some people don't like that. They don't like to hear that. They want they want it now. It's the Veruca salt, you know, I don't care how, I want it now. Uh, but that's not how it works uh, up there on a lot of issues. Uh, when they move fast, they can move very fast. Yeah, we've seen that. Oh, yeah. And then when they move slow, they can move very, very slow. Um, but there's a lot of negotiation that goes into this. There's a lot of input from stakeholders. You know, you have hospitality groups. You have the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You have Mothers Against Drunk Driving. You have have um, the restaurant associations, they all chime in on legislation and they're all working the same people to get this legislation through. And, and this is kind of the messy business sometimes of how a bill becomes a law. So while the legislature is working on this issue, I mean, at the Department of Alcoholic Beverage Services, these folks are doing their best to take what they've been handed, I think, and and run a process as smoothly as possible. And the last time you and I talked, they had just made a couple big changes. They changed their name from beverage control to service. They, I think, have a fairly new commissioner, right? They wrote a strategic plan. Looking at this year of newness to the department, what are some of the bigger or most interesting changes we've seen? Well, the name change certainly is a, a shift. Um, I, I think it remains to be seen, you know, whether that signals a complete and total shift in approach, because again, they enforce the laws that the legislature passes. But... You know, it's certainly we've seen a lot of new things um, under their new executive director as well in, in Governor Cox's administration. Uh, we've seen beer coolers come in. Those are starting to pop up more and more in stores, which a lot of people go, well, yeah, it's about time. But, you know, this is a budgetary issue. This is, uh, you know, just uh, previous administrations did not consider that a priority. They're certainly exploring still some other options, including the ability for online ordering, you know, so long as they can ensure public safety, ensuring that minors aren't purchasing with mommy or daddy's credit card and, you know, buying all the vodkas. But they've continued to generate money and a lot of money. There's a lot of money in state-controlled liquor sales. I mean, $557 million in sales last year, over half billion dollars. As an agency, that is certainly something that, you know, people take note of. Um, and I think that's probably, the, aside from the name change, one of the biggest things that I've seen this year is just how much money they're bringing in. Well, some things never change. <laughs> and one of those things is that Utah holidays bring the great tradition of standing in line the day before at the liquor store. And I have to ask you, Ben Winslow, do you ever end up in that line? I am one of those people that I like to plan ahead. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's best to do that. You know, never hurts to, to prepare yourself because 
uh, you avoid those lines. Certainly, if you if you are one of those people who needs that last minute uh, bottle of wine for the the holiday party you're going to as a host gift, or you know you want that uh, sparkling wine for your uh, New Year's celebration, uh, certainly be prepared and be patient. You know, people are trying to do a lot in a little bit of time. Your your friendly liquor store clerks are trying their best in a very trying time. And if they don't have what's in stock, um, you know, certainly be willing to consider maybe a, an alternative wine or an alternative uh, sparkling drink or whatever. Well, on the note of planning, is there anything that's being rationed this year that we should be carefully planning our purchase of? Yes, uh, you need to be prepared for Dom Perignon. So if you are one of those okay. uh, ballers who is going to <laughs> uh, be, you know, popping the bottles this year, you one per customer, uh, unfortunately, yeah. okay. this go round. You hear that, Jordan Clarkson? <laughs> <laughs> ben Winslow, thank you so much. Thank you it's for having me. It's great to have me. you on this beat. You make it fun. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. Making bureaucracy interesting since I don't know when. <laughs> Lots of excellent snow this week. If you're planning to hit the slopes, you know this, but you probably shouldn't drive. Resorts and townships are approaching resort popularity with the age-old tradition of making something more expensive to curb behavior. The most recent installment is in Brighton, home to the Brighton Resort. Leave your car in a no-parking zone or blocking someone's driveway, and your ticket will be $150. According to the Trib, that's more than the total cost of a day pass to ski Brighton. I know this might be an unpopular opinion, but I can't help but think it's kind of funny to watch wealthy towns and wealthy resorts quibble. It feels like a Netflix show. It's just too much. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye. This is what you do when someone gives you barefoot or two buck chuck and you just, you know, the worse the wine, the better, actually, they said. Yes. And so you just throw that in with Coca-Cola, serve it over ice, and it is delicious.